Hello, and welcome to Her Voice, a podcast by HerMD. HerMD is a female-forward wellness center empowering women through comprehensive health, beauty, and wellness services. Today, HerMD's Chief Growth Officer, Kamel Caruso, is joined by Dr. Ashley Rollins. Dr. Rollins specializes in the treatment of pelvic floor muscle dysfunctions at origin. This includes treatment for pelvic pain, sexual dysfunction, bowel and bladder dysfunction, pregnancy-related pain, and postpartum recovery. Today on Her Voice, we're excited to welcome Dr. Ashley Rollins to our podcast to talk all about our pelvic floors. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm personally very excited. I'm also very excited for people who are going to tune in because I don't know a lot about my pelvic floor and um, I'm excited for you to walk us through everything from the basics to painful sex and pleasure in a healthy pelvic floor. Um, so we're going to dive right in. Um, so okay, Ashley, first thing, um, what is pelvic health and what does it mean? Yeah. So, you know, the term pelvic health can mean a lot of different things. I think to me as a pelvic health physical therapist, it really encompasses um, you know, the health of your bowel function, bladder function, and sexual function. And so that would include everything from being able to hold urine, to empty it out, holding stool in, to letting it out at the appropriate times, and then being able to have um, pleasurable, pain-free sex, and to be able to have um, um, a, a child childbirth without having any injury or um, long lasting damage to your pelvic floor structures. It can include so much more than that. Um, because to me, you know, your pelvic floor is kind of foundational for um, strength, core stability, movement, your breathing. <laughs> it helps with circulation um, of blood and lymphatic flow. It's important for everything. But kind of what we more, um, I guess, famously, I guess, <laughs> feel pelvic health relates to that bowel, bladder, and sexual wellness. Got it. Okay, that is very helpful. And then, so encompassing that, like, what are the organs, body parts that encompass your pelvic floor? So your pelvic floor, so I have a, a pelvis here. Your pelvic, pelvis is this ring of bones you know, what we sit on here, our sit bones here, the center of our body. And the pelvic floor, when we're referring to the pelvic floor, we are referring to the connective tissue and the muscles in this pelvic area. So the pelvic floor muscles, they go specifically from the pubic bone all the way back to the tailbone and then between the two sit bones. So they form this bowl, as you can kind of see on the inside, this bowl of, of muscle at the bottom of our pelvis. They help to hold up our pelvic organs. So our pelvic organs are our bladder, bowel, our bowels, rectum, our uterus. Um, and they sit on top of those pelvic floor muscles. They, um, the pelvic floor muscles support them from underneath. And um, when we have like increases in intra-abdominal pressure, that's really kind of like the pressure that increases in our abdomen that kind of puts pressure on our bladder. Like when you laugh or when you cough, um, when you jump, and that can kind of strain and put pressure on our, um, our bowels, like if you are holding back gas or you have to go to the bathroom or our bladder. And um, our muscles have to kind of help to um, adjust for those increases in intra-abdominal pressure and they keep, to help keep you continent. 
like socially appropriately. So you're not having any leakage or loss of stool or gas um, when you're not prepared for it. And um, as well as, you know, the opposite, when it is time to go, those muscles should be able to release and um, allow for your bladder to empty, for allow for your um, for stool to come out, and for you to be able to have a delivery, uh, a vaginal delivery or pain-free intercourse. Got it. Okay. So that encompasses a lot. I a had lot, no idea. Yes. Or, yes, a lot of different yeah. organs and, and everything. Um, so before we jump into incontinence, because I yeah. would love, like, we have so many women that come to her MD. Um, I have friends, you know, that are asking me about incontinence, but so I guess that kind of goes into this question. How do you know if you have a weakened pelvic floor? Like what are some of the most common signs? So is, so pelvic floor dysfunction can be a bit, um, in general, it's, you can have symptoms and it may be related to pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, but what, what kind are we, are we looking at as a pelvic physical therapist? I'm thinking our muscle, the muscles of our pelvic floor, they can be um, weak um, and kind of encompassing what you're talking about. They can be overactive and kind of tight. Um, those tight overactive muscles can also kind of masquerade as being weak or they perform in a weak manner sometimes, which I, I can talk about in a bit. Or there can be a coordination issue of sorts where maybe the muscles aren't contracting or relaxing at the right time. And then it's presenting with it, or it's contributing to something going on in the pelvic floor. Oftentimes when you think of muscles that are underactive, um, I, I kind of think about like, like deconditioned, looser muscles that really are lacking strength. They're over, um, they're undertrained. Basically you're not using them and they're kind of, um, out of shape like me. So you're thinking those muscles, um, allow for leakage. So you think maybe, laughing and coughing, sneezing, chasing after the kids, jumping on a trampoline, those things might cause urinary leakage. Um, it could be anything from uh, one drop of urine every couple of weeks to, you know, completely losing it. Your bladder completely empties um, on a regular basis with like a lack of tap or something like that. Um, so it's a pretty big range um, of what that weakness can contribute to as it relates to your bladder. Um, loss of um, stool and like you can't hold back gas, things like that could also be a sign that that muscle is weaker. Um, also, um, not related to incontinence or maybe maybe just like a cousin too, <laughs> um, our pelvic floor muscle weakness can contribute to what's called pelvic organ prolapse. And that might um, feel something like a feeling of falling out or like there's pelvic uh, like heaviness or pressure. Some people describe it like um, like it's time to change my tampon. Like there's something down there and it's heavy and it feels like it's coming out. Or maybe they're not even seeing coming, something coming out. Um, our pelvic floor muscles are supposed to be strong and supportive of our bladder to kind of help um, close off the pelvic openings, the bowel and the bladder. Um, but they also help to support the organs. And if there is less strength or if the, the muscle um, integrity isn't there, then those pelvic organs can also then droop into the pelvic openings, whether it's the vaginal opening or the, um, the anal opening. Got it. Or the vaginal okay. canal, sorry. Or the anal opening. Okay. I had no idea you could have an overactive um, and also under like the undertrained muscles, but no idea there could be 
overactive oh. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's so interesting. Um, yeah. So how common is like pelvic floor dysfunction or even issues with, I guess, does pelvic floor dysfunction encompass incontinence and painful sex and includes everything. So how common is it? Yeah. Great question. Pelvic floor dysfunction in, in, does encompass all of those things. The, the common symptoms are leakage of it, whether it's gas, stool, urine, uh, that pelvic pressure, heaviness, feeling of falling out. It might also look like urinary frequency or urgency. Like you're just having to run to the bathroom all of the time and it's really urgent. Um, it might be pain with bladder emptying or pain with bowel emptying. Maybe you have to strain to poop. So you're thinking maybe constipation. Um, it also might look like just painful sex, not just painful sex. It's never just painful sex, but it might just be that one symptom. Mm-hmm. Um, it might look like pelvic pain or low back pain. It's a whole lot of different symptoms. And um, it's really important to be able to understand what's going on with them because it is so common. So, 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 so common. Um, I, you know, it's more common than the the literature says for one, you know, in particular, and for each, you know, symptom, it's it's different, but urinary incontinence is seen in one in three women. Um, I think it's more common than that, you know, it's, I I think there's like a bit of, um, we kind of perpetuate the rumor per se that maybe it's normal to have urinary leakage after something like we've had children, so I leak, and so why would I say anything? Why, uh, my mom told me I was going to have this and then I do now. And so we don't on purpose, of course, continue this um, belief. But if that's kind of what we think is um, to be expected, we don't necessarily go seek help. And that's not necessarily, necessarily something that's captured in those statistics. It can be, it's seen more common, even more so more common um, in like with pelvic organ prolapse. Mm-hmm. Um, a large majority of us, have some amount of pelvic organ prolapse as we um, increase in age. Um, Having pregnancy and vaginal deliveries and the more pregnancies and vaginal deliveries certainly increases our risk. And then also menopause can um, increase. So as we age, we have a greater risk, but not many of us have symptoms. About 3% of us maybe have symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse. So pelvic floor dysfunction is extremely common. It depends on what symptoms you're presenting with and with that statistics maybe is captured. Um, but chances are you're sitting in a circle of friends, someone is suffering from symptoms and it's likely silence because we just don't speak up for ourselves. That's what I was going to say. When you said one in three, I'm like, that is very prevalent. However, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't think many people are stepping up and saying it because of embarrassment around yeah. it. Um, sure. I'm fortunate in the work that I do at her MD. I mean, we talk about everything as I'm sure at, you know, origin, (laughs) you know, you talk about everything, which is amazing. No, I mean, kind of our timeline is there's no such thing as TMI, right? Yeah. There was like, we're talking about it all. And so, you know, when I'm with friends they're they're now asking me so many questions, like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I I should have prefaced that at the beginning. I'm not a doctor, (laughs) Um, but we have these conversations. And so I have become so much more aware of it. And so we'll, we'll talk about, I think incontinence is like one of the most prevalent things um, that women come to her MD to complain about or um, talk to us about either like, you know, after babies or perimenopause Mm -hmm. or during menopause. 
Um, and a lot of my friends, they're in their forties and fifties. So like prime time for, for that to happen. And they're, they talk to me about incontinence now and like how it just comes out. Um, and they can't hold it as long as they used to, um, you know, the peeing or the jumping, like, like they're like, we can't do go on the trampoline with our kids. It's just going to come out. Um, and so in terms of like incontinence, um, like how does pelvic floor therapy help with incontinence? Yeah. Yeah. So it's always, um, good to kind of start with what kind of urinary incontinence is someone, um, um, suffering with, um, when you're talking about maybe someone that's jumping on a trampoline or every time they sneeze, it's allergy season or whatever it might be, or having a lot of leakage, um, that's more commonly referred to stress urinary incontinence. And, um, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's those, those stresses on that bladder, like the, the intro, the increases in intradominal pressure that is stressing that bladder and allowing for leakage of urine to occur. And oftentimes when it is related to your pelvic floor muscles, it has a lot to do with, there's a, there's an imbalance in your muscles ability to kind of, um, capture and hold back, um, whether it's because of timing or strength, the, um, against the increases in intra-abdominal pressure. Um, and so what oftentimes what we'll go to look for is wh- what's going on with that pelvic floor. We look at the strength of the muscles. We look at the flexibility of a muscle with the muscles, and we look at the timing or coordination of the muscles. And all are important and all make up a strong, healthy pelvic floor. You can't really necessarily have one without the other. It's like what I was talking about before, a tight, overactive pelvic floor can also be weak. And we think like tight muscles or strong muscles. That's not necessarily the case. So we look and we see, okay, what's going on with this pelvic floor muscle? Is it, is it weak and, and deconditioned? And if that's the case, then we look to strengthen that pelvic floor. Those can, that strengthening a pelvic floor muscle um, can be accomplished in many, many different ways. Kind of the one more common, like popular <laughs> treatment, like when you think pelvic floor PT, you think Kegels. Mm-hmm. And really a Kegel is a pelvic floor muscle contraction and relaxation. It's just like a, like you would with your biceps, you're contracting and relax, relaxing that muscle, contracting it and lengthening it. And a Kegel is a contraction and then the release and lengthening of a pelvic floor muscle and it's so it's resistance training um there's no like magic strength for a particular individual but a muscle does need to be strong enough for that and whatever that individual is demanding of it and has to have enough endurance for whatever that person is doing so i think about maybe someone that does um is leaking they do crossfit um, or as a marathon runner, maybe needs to have a bit more strength and endurance in their pelvic floor than someone that um, maybe likes to garden and kind of stay active around, and, but they're leaking with, you know, coughing and sneezing or every time they're bending over versus just with the, with the power lift. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find a balance of what that pelvic floor needs and we use pelvic floor direct Kegel training. We also work on strengthening the core, like as in like uh, or additional core muscles so the abdomen, the glutes are important in pelvic strength because they help to balance each other out. Um, and then we look to decrease what's stressing that bladder and working to help you decrease um, some of those habits that may be making it worse. And then we work on timing because, you know, we want to make sure that those muscles are contracted at the right time when you sneeze. 
if you're not contracting them when you sneeze, um, then you're not necessarily able to use them when you need to. Got it. So I want to follow, so you mustn't mention, sorry, stress, okay. urinary incontinence. What is the other type of incontinence? Yeah. So, um, so there's a, several other kinds of urinary incontinence, but as it relates to pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, we are looking more at stress urinary incontinence and urge urinary incontinence. So urge urinary incontinence, it occurs when you have this sudden strong urge to, I got to go to the bathroom. Kind of think about it like key in the door, like you have your groceries, you put your key in the door and oh my gosh, you're overcome by this urge to pee. Or every time you turn on the shower or water and you hear it and you just, oh, you have to go pee. Um, you have this sudden urge and you can't make it to the bathroom on time and you have leakage. So that would be more like urge urinary incontinence. We also have what's called mixed urinary incontinence and you, you can have urge and stress incontinence at the same time or at the, at, um, you can have both of the symptoms. Um, and so... With, uh, with urge urinary incontinence, it's, it's oftentimes is a different um, muscle dysfunction. Oftentimes it's not that those muscles are um, underactive. Oftentimes with urge incontinence, they're tight and irritating the bladder and the urethra and kind of contributing to that urgency. Um, and um, so we would approach it from an entirely different way, approach treatment. Got it. Okay. I like the visual. Unfortunately, I can... I can relate to like the key in the door and you're like, oh, right. like, God, please let me make it. Yeah. Um, those associations that our bladder just really like, okay, finally I'm at the toilet. I can <laughs> tell you, know, it's like, not yet. Um, but, um, so I wanted to ask, can holding it in either, um, your pee, urine or poop can holding it in negatively impact our pelvic floor. My mom always told me, she's like, don't hold it. You hold yeah. it too long. I'm like, it's fine. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I should have listened to it. I know. Well, yes, probably. It can probably create bad, bad bladder habits. I always think of my mom who is a second. So speaking of moms, my mom is a second grade teacher and seeing just, there's no opportunity. You can't trust second graders to stay in the classroom or not injure themselves or each other. So she would hold her, her, she would not go, she'd go to the bathroom before class started and she wouldn't until like six o'clock at night and she was finally able to leave the kids. And uh, so we would kind of think this like teach your bladder um, when you are holding your bladder for too long is not great for a couple of different reasons for your pelvic floor. It can, um, it, you know, our bladder is like a, a balloon. It can expand, it, it wants, its whole job is to hold urine. So it should be able to expand and empty, expand and empty. But if we're holding it for too long, it can be, you know, overinflating that balloon, which is not good. But it's also a lot of weight for your pelvic floor to kind of have to carry around when you're running around with those second graders all day. Because your pelvic floor muscles do reflexively tighten a bit. You're not actively, when you have, you start, your bladder starts to fill, you're not actively squeezing your pelvic floor together. It's just, it's actively or sub unconsciously adjusts. And so when you're holding it, holding it, holding it all day long, this is, this is aside from like you're on a long car trip and you haven't been able to get to the bathroom, but on a regular basis, you're trying to not go to the bathroom. That's a lot of weight on your pelvic floor. And over time it can, you're asking your pelvic floor muscles to hold, 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 hold. And then when you go to pee, it can be more difficult to have them release and empty. In addition to that, that 
detrusor, which is the bladder around the muscle, the detrusor is kind of over distended and it has a harder time emptying. So with a combination of the two, it can lead to um, overactivity in your pelvic floor muscles and it might contribute to uh, having a harder time emptying, fully emptying your bladder, which can, can, can um, leave you at risk for urinary tract infection. So not great to hold your pee. And it's also not good to go too much either. Like that you don't want to hold your pee. That's true. But you don't want to go just in case either. Which we, I mean, admittedly, I do it with my two-year-old who's potty training. I'm like, just go to the bathroom just in case because they're leaving. And I know I need to get out of that habit because it's not creating a good association. A lot of times if you're emptying your bladder too often, then you're kind of teaching your brain that it needs to empty sooner. And then your bladder loses compliance and, um, and then you just kind of are creating bad bladder habits in that way. So interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to call my mom and I'm going to be like, you were right, mom. I should, she would always be like, you haven't gone to the bathroom in like five hours. Shouldn't you go? And I was yeah, like, so you should be able to go about once every two to five hours, maybe at the most during the day. Yeah, That's kind of yeah. the norm. And, and like, you can try calling your mom, but if I called my mom, she'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever, Ashley." <laughs> and she's like, "I told you so." And every time I'm like, "Are you watching my like? You're timing me." Um, and so w- with that, in terms of, like the incontinence, um, how does pelvic floor like what exercises for incontinence specifically are people working? Like what muscles? Yeah. So, okay. So if we're looking at the muscle that is needs to be strengthened, we are strengthening more specifically these superficial, these, well, the whole pelvic floor. So we have a couple of layers of pelvic floor muscles. We have superficial. So the one on the, um, kind of on the outside, it's kind of like at the vulva, what we sit on. And those are really, really important. They have a lot of fast twitch fibers in them. So like your sprinter muscles. Um, they tend when we have, for those that are continent, so the ones that don't leak, these muscles tend to contract quick and first when you have those increases in intra-abdominal pressure. And it's followed by the deeper pelvic floor muscle. So it's kind of like this quick pull up and in to kind of help support and prevent against leakage. So we're, we're training these, um, the more superficial muscles like at the vulva and then the ones deeper in our pelvic floor or deeper in our pelvis. Um, that's what we're strengthening when we're doing Kegels. It's also really important though, to have those strong glutes core. So that, you kind of think of those a bit more traditional strengthening exercises that you would do for those muscles, but, um, it's all really important to kind of have pelvic abdominal pelvic balance. Everything needs to be strong. Otherwise, when we have weakness in some muscle groups, the others try and compensate. And then there's that imbalance that is never, never fun. Got it. No. Definitely not. I love how that thing just popped out and then you could I see. I know. <laughs> That's yes, it's, it's the, the layers are, are awesome and they're all, all really important. So, yeah. And so what last question on incontinence, yeah. um, which my sister, uh, Dr. Javade, who I work with now told me, why are you doing this? Or you should never do this. I don't know if I should fess up, but she's <laughs> like pushing really hard when you're peeing or pooping. Yeah. How can that negatively impact your pelvic floor? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
never don't worry about bringing anything up because these we're demystifying all of these college floor myths or, or habits right because we're all you're in good company for those for doing things like that but it's not the it's not the normal physiology for our pelvic floor to we don't push um we shouldn't have to push to empty our bladder is kind of, i guess what i'm most, uh, trying to say when we so our, the muscle in our bladder and the muscles of our pelvic floor are coordinated in such a way. I can never do it with my hands at the right. It's like patting my stomach and patting my, rubbing my head at the same time. Our bladder needs to contract in order to empty. So our bladder is what's pushing the urine out. At the same time, our pelvic floor needs to relax and almost like get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Our pelvic floor contracts when we're not ready to empty. And that's kind of signif sign signaling to our bladder to relax and hold urine. So they work in opposite of each other. When our bladder is emptying, we need to relax our pelvic floor. When our bladder is holding, we need to con we contract our pelvic floor. And when we go to push, um, so another area of coordination, when we go to push, um, unless we're you know practicing on relaxing our pelvic floor and pushing out like we are, like we try and do when we're trying to learn how to push a baby out, um, that's, uh, that's kind of one way of pushing. When we contract our abdominals to push, a lot of the time, our pelvic floor muscles contract at the same time. And it's coordinated in a wonderful way to do that so that you don't just like laugh and, and push out poop or so that when, um, when you're running, you're not, you know, creating uh, your pelvic floor that is there to protect and prevent against those increases in intra-abdominal pressure. So if you're sitting to pee and you're pushing, you, you're either putting a significant amount of stress and strain on those pelvic floor structures that might include connective tissue in, in those muscles. Um, but it also might be that you're actually constricting your pelvic floor because that's just how your body was, is coordinated to, to work them. And maybe you're not fully emptying. So it can be really, I mean, we're all, we're hurrying. Maybe there's kids knocking at the bathroom door or you got to get back to it. You have a Zoom meeting in two seconds and you have to get the urine out but kind of continually practicing that habit can um, kind of uh, mess with the coordination of that bladder and your pelvic floor, which is this kind of um, symphony of coordinating muscles in, in nerves. So um, it's just kind of creating a bad habit. It's the same thing when we go to poop, if you're stressing and straining and you're not releasing that pelvic floor well, then it can create a lot of stress and strain. Maybe we contribute to hemorrhoids, and it might be a sign that it's, a, it's normal to push when you poop, but um, it's not normal to strain. And that's the opposite of it's not normal at all to push when you pee. So I meant to kind of put that in there. It's okay to push some and gently encourage a bowel movement out. Right. Um, but you shouldn't have to stress and strain. That might be a sign or a symptom that uh, maybe I have a little bit of pelvic muscle dysfunction I need to kind of check in on to learn how to release those muscles more efficiently. Right. That makes so much sense. And you said the zoom and I'm like, I can't even tell you how many times someone myself or someone else on home has been like, I have 90 seconds for next week. Go power pee. I'm going to go power poop. And like, exactly. Like, all right. Yes, we've all been there. Yeah. But um, this episode of her voice has been a production of her MD. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at HerMDHealth. If you're a provider interested in working with us, please reach out to info at HerMDHealth.com. We'll see you next time.